Welcome back to DC Cinematic Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze Dawn of Justice by each individual minute. My name is Nathan. You can find me on the internet at NoClutchNate. And I'm Mark. You can find me on all social media at Mark Meadows. And I'm Father David Mowry. You can find me on Twitter or Facebook if you're looking very carefully. You got to look very carefully. Got to look very careful. I'm, I'm pretty selective when it comes to Facebook because you can just get inundated with stuff when you're connected to a lot of people. Yeah, I like Twitter because it's a little more public, a little easier to interact with uh, people from all yeah. over. Yeah. yeah. Let's just keep it at that. I think yeah. <laughs> let's just keep it at that. <laughs> um, yeah. So today we're going to be talking about minute number 109. Uh, the minute's going to start out with uh, us learning what Wayne Manor was built on. Literally? No, not literally. Not literally. Psych. <laughs> the minute's going to end with uh, Martha <laughs> Kent taking out the trash. Taking out the trash. <laughs> yeah, this is, uh, this is a good uh, good first half minute. Uh, I, don't know, I don't know about the last 20 seconds. I'm not really a fan of it. Um, yeah, I, it's no wonder the Waynes are rich because the Wayne family is a combination of Andrew Carnegie, J.P. Morgan, John Rockefeller, and Vanderbilt. You know, you see, oh, you know, railroads, real estate, and oil, yeah. all of the major wealth producers from the turn of the century. So it's no wonder that Wayne's a billionaire. Yeah, yeah small wonder. But in reality... <laughs> They come from a line of being hunters, you know, they fur traders, and then and basically, uh, whatever mm. show Jason Momoa is a part it was called Frontier. That's is basic, that what it was, yeah. They did fur trading, he is a fur trader, but yeah. also, he's like a, a wanted person. Did he speak French, I think, yeah, there's some French people in that That's show. Cool. Sure, you gotta, you gotta be consistent, right? Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it was I really cool. what was that, The Revenant, they did that, yeah. I've never seen The Revenant either. Oh man, good movie, anyway. good movie. I'll take your word for it. And I yeah. do want to see it. But uh, yeah, so this might be where that Wayne coat of arms comes into play with the sword, the gloves, the sheep. And like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's the sheep. sheep, pelts, sheep pelts. It's like, the noble Wayne yeah, sheep. Oh, ooh, there you go. This is the noble Wayne family sheep. His name <laughs> is uh, Clint. Clint? Yeah. Clint. I don't know. Tell me what Wayne Manor was built on. Yes, railroads, real estate, and soft, downy comforters. Yeah. You I, know, you say it like a joke, but that those come in handy. Yeah, I. I mean, those those cold nights on the frontier. You wish you had some wool with you. I tell you see, what, that's what I'm interested in. Like, I don't really need the the, yeah. the railroad. <laughs> I don't know. I, I can do without the railroad. Just give me the wool sheets. <laughs> Oh man, yeah. <laughs> and oil just messed up land all over the place. Yeah, so I don't yeah. even know. That's how you got the fur. Hey, we just cover everything in oil, and no one can actually live there. Well, now that we've killed all the animals on this land, let's dig in it and see if there's anything underground <laughs> that we could use. We're gonna use the ones that died twenty million years ago, and we're gonna start using them. We're gonna start putting them to work. <laughs> um, but yeah, so jobs for everyone. Jobs for everyone. <laughs> yeah, just the wrong type of people. Um, yeah, so Bruce Wayne is telling the actual legacy of, of the Waynes was founded on fur trading. The first generation made their fortune trading uh, with the French pelts and skins um, and that they were hunters. And I, I, you know, normally I took it as like a sense of pride, like, oh, I am a hunter. I know what I'm destined to do. But then I was like, is that are you actually saddened by that? Like that is like your goal in life to always 
kind of be consuming things kind of, you know, like maybe he's not okay with that. I, I, the way I read it, the way I read that line, it, it sounds like Bruce is, is saying, see, I'm justified. I'm, I'm going yeah. back to family roots here. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. They, my, my earliest ancestors were hunters. That's how they lived. That's how they operated in the world. He's reverting to the most primitive uh, expression of his family identity. Yeah. Uh, and he's entering back. He's entering. We talked about this yesterday. He's he's going to solve the problem with violence. He's going to be a hunter. He's going to go out there. He's going to kill him. He's going to skin Superman and mount him on the wall. Exactly. And that you know that's that's just it's it's messed up that that's like his outlook. And like at the same time, it's messed up that we were pro that. Like we we as an audience, like oh, Batman's awesome. This is what he you know. This is a very Batman thing to 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 act like and like we enjoy that and we we feed from it and we we uh we demand it kind of thing like we demand that kind of hero and it's like really Mm. that's what we want (laughs) you know i don't know if it's just we demand that from batman i think we i think the populace demanded it from the title of the movie oh well i'm saying we demand it in general like we demand our (laughs) heroes to be like that and that's why so many people like batman that's why batman is is such a popular uh character not just superhero but like just in like you think people popular batman's popularity comes from the it mm, definitely comes from the way he acts anger yeah because i mean why isn't why isn't superman people's favorite like why is batman and i mean spider-man yeah well i think Everyone likes Spider-Man. I mean, how can you not? But some there are people who will, on the, the debate between Superman and Batman, they will take Superman's side. I think more optimistic people. I don't, know. but other yeah. people do. Yeah. See, I don't. <laughs> I like Batman because of the detective noir aspect of it. Like, there's oh that's, yeah, that's oh, why yeah. I like the character. Mm-hmm. Like, it's cool that he dresses up and jumps over buildings in a cool costume. But like the fact that he's a detective, mm-hmm. that's what's cool. Superman, I like because he solves problems. <laughs> Not just by punching things <laughs> sometimes, yeah. but when he does punch things to solve problems, well, it's pretty cool. So, yeah. like, <laughs> well, Superman as a character, he's he's a great power yeah, fantasy. Exactly, exactly. Just, you know, it's like the tagline from the Richard Donner movie: "You will believe a man can fly." It, it's that yeah. wish fulfillment, like, oh yeah, flying through the air. That's super cool. I want to be able to do that. Let yeah. me watch this movie where that happens. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I also relate that to Spider Man. Like, I w- I want to be Spider Man. Like, if you Spider Man yeah. is, is a very sound character. Yeah, and he and it's more it's more <laughs> relatable one because yeah, I'm young enough. Spider Man too. He saves the villain from himself. Oh yeah. It's yeah, true. Spider- it's true. Spider-Man's a very sound character. He yeah. really is. Um, good but, job, Scott. But yeah, but like so. But Batman is. Well, we ask. I mean, you go back to your earlier point about the the violence being part of the audience expectation. I mean, that that's been part of our entertainment since we started telling stories. Yeah. I mean, what are the great stories that have been handed down from ancient days? Well, it's the Iliad and the Odyssey, these stories of conflict. You know, the Iliad telling the story of the Trojan War. The Odyssey is is a slight subversion of that because it's a, a narrative trying to get home, but there's many encounters within that where the use of force is necessary. Uh, you look at Shakespeare. Shakespeare has high elevated language, but when everything comes to a point, it comes down to the duel between Claudius and Hamlet. It comes down to the showdown between Macbeth and Macduff. It comes down to uh, Romeo and Juliet deciding to, to take their own lives. Violence is a part of our entertainment. It's a part of our storytelling because it's a way for us to 
speak of human dynamics that we, we make use of it in our stories, I think to good effect. I'm not a prude. I'm not going to turn my nose up at, at violence in a movie just on its own merits. If it serves the narrative mm-hmm. and if it serves the story, great. If it's just gratuitous, no, I'm not into that. That's why I don't watch horror movies. I'm not really into gore for its own sake. Um, violence provides a resolution to conflict and every story is about conflict. You know, and, and in this movie, it's literally the title of the movie is versus the resolution of that conflict is most easily resolved through violence when it comes to a storytelling model. It's direct, it's upfront. You don't need to spend a lot of time developing characters necessarily. Um, although when you do like in Shakespeare's plays, then the violence has a really big payoff. It provides, um, important dramatic weight mm-hmm. to the story yeah. as opposed to where you have a big action sequence because you need to. Is that why John Wick works so well? <laughs> that is not a movie I have seen. It's on my list. I, I'm, I'm, I'm hesitant because <laughs> I, I've seen the trailers. That's a lot of blood. There's a lot yeah. of violence. I don't know. But uh, hey, it, it might be justified. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a show on uh, FX. <laughs> Justified. Uh, justified. Yeah, yeah, that was with a. No, yeah, no, I completely agree. And uh, well, first, let me just say, like, the, the one of the reasons that I'm so uh, attracted to to Batman stories is I I like reading it for the tragedy of like seeing a uh, a broken, a mentally ill character kind of like having to go through yeah. such a life. So that attracts me. Not yeah. so much like the, you know, I enjoy punching thugs in the face and whatnot. So, yeah. but yes, it does. Um, it has always been a part of our establishment of entertainment, like violence, and that's why Batman works so well is because he he feeds us that which we want to see. But, you know, like, if you're going to be violent, like, again, it should feed into the narrative. Like, there should be a reason for it, and with great character development, mm-hmm. like, it's, it is justified. Like, that is so important. And, uh, you know, like, I could not agree more with you. Like, that is just... That's yeah. just how it should be. And sometimes with horror films... Yeah, and if this movie had developed the characters, if the movie had developed the characters like we're seeing in these minutes, then the movie would have been stronger for it. But I really, these five minutes are kind of it. This is, this is the, the most introspective these characters get. And this is really the meat of their development and their justification for going into this conflict. And really, it, it's just Batman who we get to hear from. I'm watching the movie. I was never really clear on why Superman ends up actually fighting Batman. You've only seen the theatrical cut, right? I have only seen the theatrical cut. I, I did not have Perfect. the intestinal fortitude for a three-hour version of this yeah. movie. So then you're... you're yeah. I admit to my weakness. No, then your your perspective is valid because that's yeah. the movie, the theatrical cut... It's like, exactly. ...leaves you with that, leaves you wondering that. So, like, with the extended cut, you get so much more, not Superman, but Clark Kent dealing with hmm. life and as yeah. a reporter and, like, hmm. and doing his own investigating and, and his own kind of putting two to two, two and two together of like, oh, this other guy. his own opinion. Of yeah, yeah, yeah. So you yeah. are excluded of that. And so the theatrical cut, theatrical cut is very uh, Batman heavy. Um, and Superman is, is, is a severe drought in the storyline. Um, uh, but if you watch the ultimate edition and, uh, I can probably get you, uh, connected with that, but it's like, then you, <laughs> then you will like, you kind of get the other side of it and you enjoy it a lot more mm. and it, it really rounds things out a bit. And it also makes Lex Luthor's plan more, uh, Fleshed out. yeah, you really get to understand what's going on in the background His here. Motive, yeah. Um, but yeah, absolutely. I could not agree more about just 
if you're going to call for violence in your storytelling, there's got to be an, a, like a, yeah. something that you can walk away after you've heard the story to, to, to know why that took place. But yeah, absolutely. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the symbolism here, as we uh, look at Bruce Wayne kind of adopting this hunter mentality, I, I think we're supposed to see in Bruce Wayne a kind of Captain Ahab figure. Because uh, he, the weapon he develops to kill Superman with is a spear, mm-hmm. and he is fanatically focused on this. That it turns out everything that he's done up to this point has been to pursue this goal of killing the White Whale, of getting back at Superman, who has uh, destroyed things on the level that Moby Dick does. You know, Moby Dick is this force of nature figure in the novel that destroys ships and ruins men's lives. And so it is with Superman. He's this force of nature. Uh, It seems unkillable. And yet Batman has totally bought into, no, I'm going to hunt him down. I'm going to chase him down. I'm going to stick him to the wall with this spear, just like Captain Ahab wants to chase the white whale down to the ends of the earth and will not give up on it. Yeah. Not the Uh, first time we've, we've come across (laughs) that one. Absolutely. Real glad you brought that up. Hit the nail on the head there. Yeah. Like that is, yeah, one of the many things. There's other things that people have paralleled uh, other stories. Uh, Wizard of Oz seems to be one that comes across often. What? And I don't. Uh, well, there are people who put the pieces, and there are things that are said, like especially Lex Luthor, and it might play into Lex Luthor himself. Like maybe his character is paralleling a lot of Wizard of Oz stuff. But like, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Yeah, and like he's doesn't he not say that? He's, Oh, Does he's, he say there's he's, something? He's, there's some Wizard of Oz quotes. Yeah, he is spitting Wizard of Oz quotes <laughs> left and right throughout this film, and uh, you know, he, I I missed that on my my go through of the movie. Yeah, or no, watch the extended cut. And, well, yeah. I'm just kidding. He's a man <laughs> behind the curtain. That's <laughs> uh, yeah, that's your answer to everything. I'll oh, just watch the extended. Yeah, cut. Yeah, you know. For, uh, <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's true. You said that like, hey, if if a movie takes, you know, if a movie needs thirty more minutes to like better explain itself, maybe like the movie's bad. But like maybe the maybe the the studio is just bad for yeah it's always been my analogy is like you never tell an author that their book has to be x amount of pages it's just like hey maybe half blood prince did need to be 700 pages like maybe it needed that no it didn't (laughs) (laughs) no i I I think Ra- this is getting off on the wrong show, but I think Rowling needed a stronger editor in books four through seven. So she needed someone to kind of rein her in because one, two, and three are so good. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> that's Harry Potter minute. Right. She caught the George Lucas thing where she was like, "Hey, mm. this this is this means that." And they said, "You know what? You're making a lot of money. Sure, <laughs> you go for it." Um, yeah, but a book I can put down at some point and take a break from. Yeah. A movie as as it is, it's meant to be enjoyed in a single sitting. And I, I only have so much attention to give. I, I only have so much mental uh, energy to follow and track with a movie. You and me both, and if you're going to be a three hour movie, if you're going to be something on the level of Godfather, it's got to be good. I mean, it's got to be well crafted to maintain my interest for that period of time. And even even imagining a 30-minute longer version of the movie that I've seen, I don't think it would hold my interest that long. I mean, you're right with maybe that this movie needed to be two parts or, you know, like, see, most of the time people are just like, just, um, they're like settling with, hey, 
I'm making a mini series because obviously a movie is too short of a, a of a standard, mm-hmm. and I, I can't do a whole show. So I'm gonna call it a mini series. It's gonna be eight hours of just a story, and so then you go, okay, it's a mini series. So do that. I think that's mm-hmm. a great, you know, for storytelling, maybe miniseries, like those one-shoot graphic novels that are just like, here's a big book of a big story I wanted to tell. And it's like, yes, if that's all you need, do that. Don't try to force it into a movie. Like Happy. Happy Now is a TV show. I think that could have just been a movie and been done with it. What is Happy? It's from, it's one of Morrison's books that's on sci-fi <laughs> right now. That was a question I asked myself after watching <laughs> yeah, this movie. What is what Happy? Is yeah, happy? Man. <laughs> Existential question of the day. What is Happy? <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, you're right. You're right. Whatever. Um, yeah, don't try to stretch your story. If it, you have to come to terms with what your story needs to be. And like, you can't be yeah. trying to force it into a container, nor can you try to, because it's even worse when you try to stretch it. I think that's way worse. If you cram into a movie and, you know, we can, we can, we can do the expanding for you. Um, but to stretch it can make it seemingly unbearable, you know? To, to try and stretch a story when it doesn't need to be. But um, yeah, maybe this film uh, me- needed to be two parts. Maybe, um, I don't know. I, I think the three hour thing makes and it no matter better, how, but you know. Yeah, I, I, yeah. like I said, it's not, it's not that the movie is long is a legitimate complaint. It's just long and draggy. But whatever version of the movie there is, I'm really glad it includes this line from Alfred. So falls the house of Wayne. I, again, like uh, like Bruce's line yesterday, this line is is really great at capturing the character of Alfred because it gives us some kind of inclination as to why Alfred has hung around. Why does and Alfred does a lot in this movie. He is every support uh, role necessary for Batman to do his thing. Mm-hmm. So why would Alfred do this? And you know this reference to the House of Wayne. I think Alfred sees himself as a steward of this noble house that he is because of, because of uh, Thomas and Martha's death. He is overseeing young master Bruce and making sure that he is coming of age and inheriting the promise of the Wayne family. And there is then that, that kind of lordship themes that we talked about yesterday with the crest that makes Alfred's character really interesting. He's, um, and he's, Unfortunately, he's very disappointed with Bruce as well because he mentions earlier in the movie that there's not going to be a next generation of the Wayne family and not for lack of trying, which is a funny line. Um, so I, I really like that moment we get with Alfred. Yeah, he's great. And we're going to later on in the film, in a, so many weeks later, but like we'll get a quote from Alfred <laughs> where it, it, it is literally one of my favorite quotes that Alfred tells Bruce Wayne because it's like, absolutely i completely i almost everything alfred says is like yes you are the voice of reason like i am so glad that you're in the story i'm so glad that uh, jeremy irons is a treasure oh, jeremy man. irons yeah. is just so like, so much fun you to could watch not have picked a better person to portray alfred pennyworth in my opinion. yeah and uh it just to for the batman mythos to even have that character like thank you for making that a, a staple character like because you need that character like that is such a good uh, just character to bounce off these questions back and forth, Batman and Alfred debating uh, philosophies in life and, and, and mentalities and 
like the struggle is spoken out loud and, and, and debated. And so like, I, I love the Alfred character a lot. And then I, to, to try and do a Batman story without that voice of reasoning could go very South. I don't know. <laughs> well, it's, it's a necessary part of the character. He needs that outside perspective in order to make sure that Batman doesn't go too far. And we see what happens when he stops listening to that voice of reason here in this movie. Mm-hmm. He stops listening to Alfred and look at what he is prepared to do. Yeah, absolutely. Go to the ends of, of the links. <laughs> yeah. Whatever that term is. Anyway. The ends of the world. And the, was Pirates of the Caribbean? No. <laughs> Wrong show again. <laughs> um, so, you know, after he says, and so falls the house of Wayne uh, and watches uh, Bruce Wayne walk away. We end up back in Smallville, Kansas, um, where Martha Kent works at a diner. What is that? Who's what? Who's diner? Yeah, it looks looks like the sign said Ruth's Ruth's Diner. I think Ruth's Diner. Uh, daily specials, great coffee, um, and I tell you, the coffee at Ruth's Diner is so good. <laughs> great, even. Um, she's uh, she's doing some closing. Wait, she works there. Yeah, she works there. She's getting ready to leave work. She just works there. She doesn't, she's not part of managing or anything like that. She's just as a wait. No, we see her in, we see her earlier in earlier movies, just working in the diner. She's, she's just a waitress. She's just there. She had closing shift. Yeah. And so she, she has to be the one to shut off Nancy Grace. (laughs) (laughs) Which I applaud you, Martha. (laughs) <laughs> normally i like these things like normally i like what, the media the, the input real news people yeah cable news <laughs> oh, yeah. normally i like cable news I know. you know there's you heard it here folks. there's just something about waking up in the morning turning on the news and just hearing the weatherman talk about Dude, the forecast and traffic and stuff like that i told you like i'm not used to having cable news and my mom has it so like whenever like i get to use a tv over there and like i turn on cable news i'll get lost in it like for hours you'll and catch up with the world <laughs> kind of but like especially if it's like on like a normal day they repeat the news so like you start at like 11 a.m whatever by 2 p.m like you've already heard every single story that they're going through so like now it just becomes this like depressing circle of just bad news where it's like oh crap cable <laughs> news is the worst anyway <laughs> there's a card there's a there's a card stuck into this i don't know bulletin board or whatever next to the tv that she's reaching at do you see that it's like a club i saw that too what is that you see what is uh what was the card on bruce's gun in the it was a joker card because it was the joker's calling card are you sure yes are you positive in that nightmare he has (laughs) killed a joker and he has taken that as feel like we debunked that it wasn't the joker's this is like what are you talking about it's in the book i'll go get the book if you want me to i don't get the book i believe you but yeah there's a three of clubs there there's a three of clubs i don't know maybe people are just like that what does it what does it mean i don't know i will is it the three heroes that are going to show up where's the ace of clubs i'm you can no, see that's three? three clubs. I can't see. Mine's not as yo. I told you this. You have better quality video than I do, and I don't know how that's happening. Probably Google Drive did that, but I will go to uh, I'll go to Ashland, Kentucky. Next time I'm up there, I will find a diner, and if they have a card stuck somewhere, I'll go. Hey, why do y'all do that? <laughs> yeah, what, what's up with that? I don't know. If it was Asa Clubs, it could be a call to the Asa Clubs bar, but I can bring my uh, Southern expert. Johnny, what does it mean when they have a three of clubs stuck in the 
frame of a hallway. I don't even know. This isn't making any sense. Make any sense. Don't worry about it. So <laughs> this this is important. This means something. Yeah, right? I I don't know what. Yeah. So it's, we're just in a in a local diner and they have a card there. I don't know. I who knows. It, it adds character. People, I don't know. That when some local diners, it's all about just flair. Like, oh, can we put that on the wall? Let's put it on the wall. Are those skis that from when you went skiing one time? You're only describing TGI Fridays. I'm the only, <laughs> I've never been yeah. there. I don't know what you're talking that, about. That is not a local diner. <laughs> can you imagine? Just TGI Fridays probably own like warehouses just full of junk. At their, yeah, like, but even they had to decide. To even they had to decide. Hey. We should probably just put stuff on the wall, right? <laughs> like, because that's what people do. Commissioned scuba suit up there. That means that. What is that supposed to mean? I don't know, but look how cool it is, right? It's like they went in with the mentality of, oh, we have to look homey, right? I don't know what. No, that's Cracker Barrel, Crackle Barrel, whatever. And they that have is. stuff on the walls too. No, they <laughs> have Crackle. They barrel. have homey stuff. They have like old school. This is like your. And the decommissioned that thing's like a really not... super white person restaurant. I'm not about you said it, not me. Hey, I'm <laughs> I'm white and I'm not a fan of that restaurant. Let's just put it that of way. Cracker Barrel. Yeah, I don't you know. can leave. Really, it's a really good restaurant. Really, <laughs> really, no. There, there was there was a note of hope in that first. Really, really, I can leave. I can be <laughs> yeah. done. Yeah, <laughs> if that's if that's the deal breaker between us being friends, I'm alright with that being it. Oh come on. Man. <laughs> You don't like. Wow. You don't like I couldn't hang out with Nate anymore. You just didn't like oh. Cracker Barrel. There's nothing better. <laughs> All right. Well, let, let's let's come let's come back to a point of unity. Let's let's come back to a movie about two men who want to kill each other. Yeah, all right. Or a movie about Nancy Grace on television. Ugh. <laughs> all right. So here's here's my problem with the DC cinematic universe. They invent fake places and put real people in them. So they invent the cities of Metropolis and Gotham, and then the TVs are filled with Neil deGrasse Tyson and Nancy Grace and all these figures that we recognize from our world. Whereas in the Marvel Universe, everything takes place on Earth. You know, there's the the evasion in New York City, but we don't see real people showing up in the newscasts. Um, it's it's always a Stan Lee cameo. Yeah, it's like <laughs> and it's. It takes me out of the movie to see, wait, if Nancy Grace is in this universe, that means I am in this universe yeah. and I don't want to be in this universe. Again, have Snapper Car. Just always fake Snapper cities, Car. cities, but real people. And in the Marvel Universe, it's real mm. cities, but fake people. Sure. That's the that's, that's the spin on everything. But is it a problem? Because I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it because of the hyper-realistic world that Snyder's painting for us. Yeah. But again, always have Snapper Car. Where ghosts show up on the top of mountains. Yeah. Yeah. See, my problem is is like uh, at the Daily Planet, we saw like a, a clock for Metropolis, we saw a clock for London, and then we saw a clock for like Chicago, and it's like, no, you don't get to do that. I feel like I feel like yeah. someone's going to Coast City, you have yeah. Central City, you have you Midway have, yeah. City, yeah. you have Gotham City, yeah. and then London yeah. is called something else because uh, what Captain Britain is is part of that, right? Like it's still called London. Yeah, but what Manchester what is Black? Yeah, what do they come? They come from London. Knight and Squire. Did we just decide like only in the United States is gonna have fake cities? No, they came from London. <laughs> why do we? Do, <laughs> why is that a thing? Like, I don't know. I don't know, man. But, but yeah, in in DC the models, Comics, hire me to fix your cities. <laughs> yeah, right. Like you can't pick and choose when you're. Uh, oh, we we just didn't come up with a fancy name. What is a what is a DC city name for London? What would you call it? Uh, old country city um, or something. Fogtown. Uh, Fogtown. I like Fogtown. 
That's good. That sounds like um, a steampunky thing. But it used to be a town. Now uh, it's a you, city. So all right. that's, a, that's the irony of it. Fog City sounds like something in Mario. Yeah, it's like a track and Are you Mario a, Kart. Yeah. You would need, you need something that, that sounds British but actually isn't. And there are some really great town names over in England. Um, probably you probably call it something like Nottingham or something like that. Or uh, or no, you would call it Sherwood. Or even that sounds like a CW yeah. show. Can't yeah. fall TV. Canterbury Cricket. Don't exists. forget to watch a new episode of Sherwood. <laughs> it's like a spiritual, like haunted show, like Vampire Diaries or something. Anyways, yeah, we're talking about Nancy Grace, uh, and she has. <laughs> but we really don't want to. Yeah, I think that's what it is. We really don't want to talk about Nancy Grace. Um, I don't know if she's relevant anymore. Uh, this. You really hadn't seen Nancy Grace in a while when this film came out, and then 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 it brought her and back. She came on this big screen, and I went, "Oh, and I, yeah!" As soon as as soon as you see her, you're like, "Oh no, please, please don't do this to us." Um, it's like I I kind of I I kind of jumped in shock, like, and it's like you ha- and it's like not only do you get Nancy Grace, but you get her Nancy Grace character. Yeah, you get the Nancy Grace character. You which get the is, Nancy Grace treatment. Like, I don't know mm-hmm. her as a person. I'm sure she's a wonderful woman. She's on know. TV for judge a reason. Until exactly. She's on TV for a reason. She's playing a, you know, whatever, if you want to call it a character yeah. or not. I that's get what that. she got hired for this movie to do, of is to play course. the character. And that's what, like, it's. I think that's what was the point. It was like, hey, that's what we got. here's the dagger. Let me just introduce it to your heart for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> wow. She some very strong feelings about cable newscasters here. I don't. I'm not. I don't. I don't know cable. It's it's to give it's to give more of a window of reality of trying to uh, like our celebrities talking about superheroes because it's not a news reporter. It's like it's it's like we wanted Nancy Grace to have an opinion about Superman, and it's like, did we though? Did we really? She doesn't have an opinion about Superman. She's just talking about the aftermath of a bomb. Yeah, where is he? That's the the thing that still stands. Is if Superman was not what's involved, what's her opinion on Superman? What is my opinion? No, what's her opinion oh. on Superman? Right here. What is it? Though? Su- it doesn't exist. We need more evidence. That's her opinion. It's classic cable news. I'm not going to come down on one side or the other, but we need more evidence. Let's ask a lot of questions. Let's get a lot of experts in here and ask them questions they can't adequately answer. Yeah. Let's just keep this cycle going. Yeah, I mean, she's saying if he's got nothing to hide, then why hasn't he been seen? And it's like. Um, it's it's just Nancy Grace being Nancy Grace about it, and uh, even that guy was like, like trying to call her out, like, "Well, you can't just point." Her. Yeah, and like she's <laughs> dodging that she is, but at the same time, she really is, and it's like that's just the character we got, and that's the output we got, but yeah. it doesn't it doesn't serve anything to us. I mean, it, the question still stands. Like to us as an audience, we take the question and we go, "Yeah, why isn't he?" You know. Uh, dealing with the aftermath why isn't he issuing an official superman statement or anything like and it's like i understand that that's what we wanted to ask but did we have to get nancy grace to ask the question to us (laughs) (laughs) yeah couldn't have been any newscaster but apparently it had to be nancy grace she was the voice of a generation so people would ask why isn't nancy grace the one asking these questions on the tv so 
here we are, yeah. I guess. And, I, and you know, I don't know. Uh, thank you for turning the TV off, Martha. But yeah. it's like, dude. See, I like the Anderson Cooper aspect in it later on. I like the I Neil like Degrassi that. Tyson. Yeah. Uh, like, you know, at least ask questions, I don't know, that are, I don't know, relevant to me. But maybe she's relevant to someone else. Maybe someone does like Nancy Grace. Maybe out of all the other talking heads that they got in this movie, maybe someone is a really big fan of Nancy Grace. Nancy and Grace. if you are... Let us know. Maybe she's a big fan of Superman. But also, go you. Maybe she. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe she. Maybe her, Nancy Grace, the actual person. Yeah. Like not Superman. the character. Is like, hey, I want to talk about Superman. Yeah. But also, I want to stay relevant. <laughs> Good job. I don't know. Martha Kent takes out the trash, and uh, that's about it. Unless y'all have mm-hmm. anything else. Do you have anything about Christ in the Cape in regards to Nancy Grace? Uh, in regards to Nancy Grace, uh, no, other than the fact that her last name is Grace. So there's there's something there, but I can't I can't exactly make the connection. No, uh, today's installment of Christ in the Cape, uh, there's nothing really in this minute that uh, there was a theme I wanted to draw out. So I just, I, I turned my scope a little broader. So today and tomorrow, I'm, I'm kind of looking at themes throughout the movie. And one theme that is has come up and will come up very explicitly later in the movie, I'm guessing, uh, is the problem of evil facing this, you know, the the problem that the characters are facing, you know, Jonathan Kemp talks about the flood that can't be stopped. Bruce talks about the weeds that just keep coming back up. This is a classic problem in theology. Well, if we say that God is all good and that God is all powerful, then evil should not exist. So, one of those two things has to be false. The uh, the approach to this that the, the Christian faith takes is to point back to what I said earlier, that evil doesn't have its own existence. It is not as though God creates evil in the world. Evil is a failing. It's, it's a fall from some kind of good, some kind of perfection. So we like we can see in Batman, we know that Batman is not the Batman he is supposed to be. There is some failing. There is some evil that is operating within his life that is able to change, but it's it's something that is a lack. There's something missing from Batman that has caused him to fall in this way. Um, human free will is the source of a lot of the problems we point to and the problem a character in particular is going to point to as sort of the, the justification for this question, you know, why is there evil when this person did such evil things to me? The, the Christian tradition holds that human beings possess free will. We are able to make choices that are free, that are not determined by anything. Uh, The Christian tradition rejects a strict materialism or determinism that if we knew all the positions of all the atoms in the entire universe, we would see that there's actually no freedom. There's no real choice as such. Um, So that authentic free will is something God gives to human beings in order to have a real relationship with us. God desires to love us and to be loved by us. And so in order to love, we have to be able to choose. We have to be free because God wants a relationship. He doesn't want sock puppets that mouth back to him the words, I love you. So that free will is an important part of the human condition. But if you're going to be able to make free choices, that means you're 
opening the possibility of making the wrong choice, of making an evil choice, something that results in a fall. And that that is the language that the Christian tradition uses about Adam and Eve, that their sin led to the fall, that they fell from a position of grace and happiness and ended up in this condition of sin that we needed saving from. God does not want to rob our freedom by directly intervening, however. He wants free choice. And this kind of leads to the uh, salvation, the soteriology that we talked about yesterday. Uh, Jesus comes to make the free choice for, uh, as a member of the human condition. He shares fully in our nature, and he's able to freely choose to love God in the way that Adam and Eve did not. And so he solves the problem of evil by making use of that uh, part of human nature that caused it in the first place. So the, the coming of Christ allows for the transformation of the mind and heart, enable, enabling us to make the right choice when it comes to loving, when it comes to serving, when it comes to being what God made us to be as his creations. So the problem of evil as such uh, fails to take into account that reality of human free will, that God doesn't directly intervene because he doesn't want to take away the possibility of that authentic relationship that comes from freely choosing. I Yeah, I dig it. I, you know, that it brings us to um, a, a story that gets brought into uh, this universe with the, the Batman nightmare scene, an injustice storyline where Superman, you know, he, he decides, hey, I will be the overall controlling figure of this planet and we will bend it to the way I want it to be. And that takes away almost all choice in, in mm-hmm. the entire planet. And it's like, are, are we really doing justice that way? And so that is such an inter- interesting take of like, it's interesting because it's, it's someone saying, hey, instead of like trying to even try to make Superman right in storytelling and make sure we nail it down, how about we just do the opposite? And it, it's a very uh, powerful insight of what that world could look like and, and how wrong it really is to, to, to go down that path. Um, it's really interesting. It, it sounded like you said like, evil stems from what was once good or, or something along that line. It's like, is that, yeah. is that, you know, like it's, it's, it's so interesting to think about characters that output uh, negative energies or, or, or evil mentalities uh, that, you know, could have once been really good people. And that, that's such a, you know, it, it, it's like, uh, it's so tragic to think that that's what that could stem from someone that was once good. That's why um, this Christian view of the human person allows for the tradition of drama that we've had in the Western world because we are possessed of this free choice and we're able to choose. um, We're we're always seeking what is good. And so the the tragedy is when characters convince themselves of a false good. We see it in Batman. Bruce Wayne has convinced himself that this is the only thing I'm going to do that matters. This is my legacy. This is a good thing for me to do because it's going to mean the safety of the world. And he has so convinced himself of this, it's tragic to stand back and say, but no, this, this falls short of what justice is supposed to be. It falls short of the kind of uh, character we're supposed to have as human beings, not engaging in violence, but reaching out in solidarity and using the the reason that God gave us to to talk things out and to address these conflicts without perpetuating that cycle of violence. So the 
the the Christian view of the human person allows for this kind of uh, nuanced inner struggle because of this tension between freedom and uh, not always knowing what is truly good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also debating like, do I continue to uphold like the power of choice and freedom, or do I take it away in in the in the hopes of providing security? It's like you know mm-hmm. you really have to come to terms with like what you're asking yourself for but then you at the you know going back to monday's minute or tuesday's minute it's like you have to still make a choice and you know there's you know the consequences of that are can be seemingly inevitable so it's it's just incredible but yeah that's awesome you know nate did you do you have anything no Uh, i'm 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 tapped out man (laughs) nate is just a fly on the wall he's he's (laughs) soaking up everything it's a really good minute like yeah you seriously guys you guys don't understand like me re-listening to these it's like it's not just gonna be like oh i guess i'll just re-listen to it. it's like no i'm, I'm it's le- gonna I'm, I'm it's gonna edit the episodes but then also like just keep listening to it again i'm gonna take out all <laughs> of christ in the cape and just put it on a cd and just that's that's what i'll, okay, well, I'll let's go from there yeah that's awesome cool uh father did you have anything else for this minute before we head into tomorrow that is all i had cool 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 so shut me off like you'd shut off nancy grace hey yo <laughs> not that bad <laughs> that's a good joke oh man he had that written down as the last note on his story <laughs> Oh, alrighty. Well, we're going to go ahead and wrap up for today. If you enjoyed everything you heard, you can find us on all social media at DCU Minute. And don't forget to check us out on Facebook, the group called the DC Cinematic Minute Listener Society. And uh, let us know what you thought about today's minutes or any other minutes you're catching up on. And we'll see you guys tomorrow for Minute 110 of Dawn of Justice.